five different baseball players on the Tampa Bay Rays refused to use a rainbow logo in support of the LGBTQ community because of religious reasons. As the media flips out on them, while drag queens are having children perform with them with the moniker, it's not going to lick itself, lit up behind them. And Representative Ted Liu says Jesus said nothing concerning homosexuality. Is that true? Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a number of things that I believe deal with Pride Month. And I think before we even talk about what Pride Month is, we need to deal and understand that the issue of pride is a big, important problem. In fact, if you are bragging about your pride or how proud you are, regardless of what you're talking about, it is typically one of the sinful nature because pride and arrogance is something that is of the flesh and those who are practicing it, and that is their lifestyle, and their lifestyle is not bent towards being humble and meek as the scriptures describe, that person already is feeding of their flesh and according to Galatians, we're very clearly told they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what about when that pride is specifically dealing with none other than a sin? Like, you know, for example, if you were proud of your adultery or you were proud of your fornication, this happens all the time. Now, of course, we see the truth in the shameful act by websites like Ashley Madison and what happened when people were exposed for their adulteries. But also you see the pride in porn conventions all over places like Las Vegas, LA, and so forth, where people are having basically pride parades for fornication, adultery, and just spiritual idolatry and everything that goes against the natural that God describes in his word. But now what we have in this day and age is an entire month dedicated to the pride of the sin of homosexuality. And sadly enough, so many people are being just in by the swaths taken about and running headlong into this pride month celebrating it, even those who claim to be Christians. And in fact, Major League Baseball has come out in support of Pride Month, taking the logos of the favorite teams of so many and putting a rainbow symbol on them. But that didn't sit well with at least five players on the Tampa Bay Rays. So they have decided, and I think it would be best to name them, because they actually decided they're not going to be putting up with this nonsense. And these five players said, guess what? We're not going to be involved in celebrating this absolute travesty. And in all honesty, it's one thing to point it out as wicked because that's exactly what it is. But to point out the fact that you are celebrating the very thing that people are practicing that we are warned about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in Revelation chapter 21, in Galatians chapter 5, and elsewhere, that those who practice this sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Ray, the five pitchers, all of them pitchers that opted out were Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson. And I would applaud them for standing up for their conviction concerning this, because it is one thing to say, 
I hate homosexuals and I want them dead is another thing to say, I will not support the very thing that is keeping you from a relationship with Jesus Christ and from knowing him and will ultimately keep you from the kingdom of God, whether that's this or anything else. But the truth is, is these players, because they've taken this stand, have been the topic matter for so much discussion on so many sports, I guess you would say sports shows on ESPN, uh, just such a wonderful network over there where they talk about sports so much and also make sure to get their political nonsense pushed across. Well, let's be nice. Yeah. Let's be nice. We don't have to go there. I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. From people who have typically used sports as a means of relaxation away from their workday. Sadly enough, they can also be idolatrous, and that's why 24-7 sports is typically the thing that is watched the most. It's the only thing now, I think, on TV and so forth where they're actually getting some ad revenue because people actually watch it live, unlike some of the other things that they are putting out. But nonetheless, ESPN has done a great job campaigning against these players with people like Sarah Spain coming out against them on shows like Around the Horn and speaking out about how terrible they are and how they're not supporting people who can't even get medication because they're gay, apparently. Pride is about inclusion. So you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you're not willing to wear the patch. And calling it a lifestyle reveals to me that you've done not even a modicum of research or understanding on this topic. It's what tends to happen when a privileged class isn't affected by things. This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children, prescriptions, all sorts of rights. That's what she is saying. And in fact, she's been on this campaign against these players and anyone who doesn't support her and the LGBTQXYZ community by just lambasting them over and over again. And we happen to see here that she is not only ignorant of the issue, but also she posted a pastor thinking that this video right here that you're going to see gives evidence that Christians are just so terrible that guess what? They want to see gays put to death. So I want you to see the pendulum swinging here from a false teacher, by the way, and I'm going to go over the text that he uses, but here this false teacher and then someone to use this just terrible teaching and say, you know what, this is what these so-called Christians believe and this is why we need to have people, and I guess thinking this is just, this is very similar to Ray's pictures turning this down, but this teacher falsely teaching that gays should be put to death. What does God say is the answer, is the solution for the homosexual in 2022, here in the New Testament, here in the book of Romans, that they are worthy of death? These people should be put to death. Every single homosexual in our country should be charged with the crime, the abomination of homosexuality that they have. They should be convicted in a lawful trial. They should be sentenced with death. They should be lined up against the wall and shot in the back of the head. That's what God teaches. That's what the Bible says. If you don't like it, you don't like God's word because that is what God says. Now, that was pretty gross for a number of reasons. One, because I don't believe that's the heart of God. Remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when it mentions all the sins that will keep people from the kingdom of God, liars and thieves and adulterers and fornicators and homosexuals, one of the things it says is, such were some of you. So under the new covenant, 
under the blessings of Jesus Christ, him dying for our sins, if we are supposed to be killing them, then all of those people in Corinth who had come to Christ and now were the such were some of you's, but now have been washed and sanctified, would have been put to death before actually coming to Christ. But I want to read from where he's taking this from because the topic of homosexuality is clearly being discussed in terms of Romans chapter 1, which he is writing or speaking about in that text. But I want to actually read from it so you understand what it's talking about. Verses 18 through 23 talk about them exchanging the glory of God for created beings that they claim to be wise, but yet they are fools in their speculations, the wrath of God being revealed. It's terrible. Then we get to verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So I want you to see that this is a judgment. I mean, it's pretty heartbreaking that these impurities and lusts and so forth do come at the judgment from those who are not willing to come to Christ, but rather worshiping the trees and so forth. Verse 26, for this reason, remember that connects the previous statements. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Now, I just want to point this out on this verse real quick. There is a natural way that we have been created. This is something over and over again in the scriptures. We're seeing the natural versus the unnatural. We see that God has designed sex for inside of the marriage bed between a man and a woman. Not a man and a dog. Not a man and a frog. Ribbit. Ribbit. That's good. Not a woman and another woman or a man and another man but has fit them together naturally. Verse 27, and in the same way, in the same way, you have the unnatural women going after other women, and in the same way, also the men abandon the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, yep, just like you, Sarah Spain, haters of God, just like you, Sarah Spain, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God. Now check this out. This is what this guy was commenting on. And although they know the, they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. What is being talked about here by Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 1 isn't a death sentence for those who practice homosexuality, but the reality of when you are practicing all of these things, homosexuality included with the rest of them, that even those who are trying to give support, and that includes the people who call themselves gay allies and so forth, even those who are giving them hearty approval know deep down that these sins that people are practicing, that they are worthy of death. But guess what? The fact is, is that when we read 
the book of Romans, specifically when you get to chapter 2 and chapter 3, all the way through the entire book. Chapter 10 would be also important here. When you get to there, you see that all have been shut up in sin, that every single person, according to Romans chapter 3, all, every single person has sinned against God. All have fallen short. And we want them to come to Christ. I do not hate a homosexual and just want them to die. I want them to know Christ with every single fiber of my being in the same way that I want the porn addict to come to Christ, in the same way that I want the adulterer to come to Christ, in the same way that I want the fornicator or the liar or the thief or anybody who thinks that these things will fulfill. If you take the identity of homosexual, you'll feel some esoteric knowledge where you finally feel accepted. If you take the identity of a porn star, if you take these identities of all these different things, maybe I'll be a football player, maybe I'll be this. If there's anything other than Jesus Christ, than him being the Savior, then you identifying with him that he died for you and recognizing that he is your all and all and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I feel sorry because I have an abundant life in Jesus and my sexual orientation, even though it's heterosexual and I love my wife, is never my identity. That is simply something that God has given in a blessing For those who come to marriage, for a man and a woman, what God brings together, let no man separate. And when people practice these things, this wicked guy who is talking about this, about homosexuals, does he say that about the people in his congregation that may be struggling in some other sin? And if you want to classify it, it is true. Sexual sin is sin against its own body. It's not the same as lying or stealing and so forth. And so if you want to classify people and look at it, does he have people as according to 1 John chapter 3.15, that hate their brethren, then guess what? They don't have eternal life in them. And they need to repent. Do you want to go take them out back and shoot them in the head? No, you don't. So just as much as Sarah Spain and every single person who calls himself a homosexual ally, just as much as they are in sin and need to repent and come to Christ, so does this pastor. Because this is wicked. This is worse than bad exegesis. This is bad theology. And this is not somebody who I think actually knows the risen Savior. I'm sorry. That's just, when you look at it, if you want to just take that text, butcher it for your own hatred, I'm sorry. I can't call you a brother either. And I wanted to bring this up because I think Romans 1 leads us into something else that's going on quite clearly. Because as you can see, so many of the things in Romans 1 talk about these horrible things, this depravity, these gossips, these slanders, these insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. There are a lot of parents right now out there that need a good old godly spanking for the way that they are treating their children, the way they are, the things they are allowing their children to get into. In fact, there was a homosexual bar that opened up their doors for a number of young, young people to go on the stage with a bunch of drag queens. But if that didn't make it bad enough that they were going to walk the stage, and you guys will see it in this video right here, notice the words above their head in this video and just how disgusting this truly is. It's not going to lick itself. Imagine taking your child to a gay bar, having drag queens walk down the stage with them and have that blazoned across over their head. It is disgusting. It is despicable. And this sort of behavior is grotesque and ripe for judgment. How on earth you could do that 
as just anyone with a pulse and that not bother you. When we, as Christians, by the way, look at this, go, oh yeah, we expect the world to do that. Guys, we need to go back to blushing when it comes to sin. We need to go back to saying, this is wicked and I want no part of it. I hate even the garment of corruption. I hate the garment of flesh on me. This is grotesque. This is disgusting. And when I saw people calling this out online, it's very interesting to me. Because people were saying, wow, this is disgusting. How could you do this? And then in response, those homosexual advocates were posting pictures of little kids at places like Hooters or at rallies for the Republican Party with girls in bikinis with their butts sticking out, taking pictures next to young boys. And can I get this across as clear as possible? Both parents are in sin. And if anyone thinks otherwise, you are the problem. I'm sorry. If you think that having children take pictures in front of half-naked women is not sin, I'm sorry, but you are having a problem too. This is exactly what Jesus talked about when he mentioned the log and the speck. The person calling out the sin, while they themselves have a log in their eye. Look at all those gays doing this and that and, and whatever, but yet you're totally fine taking your children to Hooters and objectifying women and looking at women like they're a piece of meat and acting like you like the hot wings or taking pictures in front of half-naked girls thinking you're bragging with Let's Go Brandon over your head. I mean, this is the disgusting thing that people are pointing out because guess what? For Christians that I know, they are disgusted by both things. I don't know any Christians. I'm just being honest with you. People, as Since I've been saved since January 19th, 2009, I do not know any Christians who would, would approve of young boys taking pictures next to half-naked women or men or men dressed up as women or you gonna go lick itself or whatever nonsense or disgustingness that is going on. I don't know any Christians who would be okay with that. And by the way, if you are a professing Christian and you're okay with either of these things, we need to have a talk. This is serious stuff. It is no laughing matter. It is no joke. Speaking of no laughing matter and no joke, I want to take a look real quick at California Representative Ted Lieu, who actually gave this speech before the U.S. House of Representatives. And when he did, he gives, as you'll see, a moment of silence for all the different things that Jesus said concerning homosexuality. In March of this year, the Washington Post published an article titled, GOP lawmakers push historic wave of bills targeting rights of LGBTQ teens, children, and their families. In April, Washington Post published another article titled, Some Republicans Fear Party Overreach on LGBT Measures. I just thought I would now recite for you what Jesus Christ said about homosexuality. I yield back. Well, isn't that just compelling? Uh, this is something that we hear all the time from people 
who are ignorant of biblical theology and who are ignorant of who Jesus is and who actually wrote the Gospels. Because it's very interesting that they would say Jesus never said these things, not realizing that over and over again, Jesus didn't need to simply, let me list out every sin that ever took place, but he could use a word like porneo, which just encapsulates all sexual sin. Or he can go back, as he does in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, to the creative order. Because I wonder if he wants to affirm all of these, you know, drag shows and so forth, or all of these transgenders, because Jesus came out against transgenderism in Matthew chapter 19, using the creation and how God created us so that we would know what he affirmed. He says this, In Matthew chapter 19, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. And he answered them and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore God has joined together. Let no man separate. Jesus went back to the creative order When it came to this, it's very, very clear. And he made them male and female. He didn't make them male. And sometimes they think they're a woman or a woman. And sometimes they think they're a man or the other 56 genders that somebody made up when they were bored. When Jesus made it clear over and over again in the scriptures, we see quite clearly what he affirms. And that is male, female in marriage together, cleave together for life. And it's interesting Because how do you even know what Jesus said? Because it's written in the Word of God. So to say this and say you think you're you're coming up with something really interesting, really smart, the very same person who wrote this down is the same one who affirmed the Old Testament over and over again. In fact, it's in Matthew 22 that I would say this to anyone who uses this argument. Because Jesus says in Matthew 22, when debating with the Sadducees, He says quite clearly about the Old Testament written by Moses, the first five books. In fact, when you go to Matthew chapter 19, right after that, he talks about Moses writing these very words that we're talking about here. But in Matthew 22, Moses had written down these words and his argument that he used has to do with the tense of a verb. I don't want to go into that. We've gone into that to view Jesus's high, high view of scripture, but nonetheless, In Matthew chapter 22, he says quite clearly to the Sadducees, remember how long after that Moses, thousands of years before, had written this down, and even long before that, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had lived, which is the context of what he's saying, he says, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? Jesus affirms that the very words of specifically Exodus right there is what we're talking about and what he talks about in Matthew chapter 22. He says, have you not read, that's us reading the word of God, what was spoken to you by God? Jesus affirms that it was God the Father. It was him himself later too. We understand that as well. But Jesus affirms without a doubt that the words we're talking about here that we're going to read from were written not only by Moses, but God using Moses and the words that we read are spoken to us by God himself. And it's very interesting because Leviticus chapter 18, verse 23 says, also, you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it. 
nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. But Jesus never talked about bestiality. Therefore, it's okay. Nope, that's not how this works. Jesus wrote every word that we have. All of it is theonostos. All of it is God-breathed. It is Jesus' word just as much as the Father, just as much as it is the Spirit. And when Jesus was helping Moses write Leviticus along with the Father and along with the Holy Spirit, not only does verse 23 come out against bestiality, even though Jesus didn't have to specifically list it, he simply went back to the creative order. He simply went back to how we were created. And then guess what? What's the verse before it? It's the one that Sir Ian Ian McClellan the homosexual rips out of every Bible he can find in hotel rooms, according to himself. I suppose you think that was terribly clever. It's, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Jesus wrote those words. And also, Jesus was present at Sodom and Gomorrah. This is the commentary on the New Testament. I want to point this out. This is a commentary on what happened in Sodom a commentary on what happened written down by Jesus's brother, Jude. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. They were practicing this homosexuality, and God is very clear in this commentary On that, from the New Testament, speaking of the Old Testament, not only did this happen, but it's supposed to be a picture of the eternal fire that is coming for those who do not repent. But let's go back to Genesis chapter 19, because it's very interesting, because not only are we going to look at who did this, but check this out for those who really believe in the deity of Christ, because I think it's so clear in Genesis 19, because it says this, then the Lord, all capitals, L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. Then Yahweh reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Yahweh out of heaven. You have Yahweh on earth, you have Yahweh in heaven. I believe that's the Father on earth, or that's the Father in heaven, and that's Jesus on earth. Jesus was not silent. Jesus was not simply complicit, but Jesus was involved in the very burning of Sodom and Gomorrah In the very brimstone and fire that were thrown down on them, Jesus was quite involved. In fact, so involved that he's the one who did it. And so when we see that and you say Jesus was silent, I do not think that Sodom and Gomorrah was very silent at all. I think it was probably pretty loud when it was exploding for their gross immorality, according to Jude. So we see that it is very clear. And in fact, I am concerned for those who are pushing wickedness, who think that it's okay to tell people that they can walk in wickedness, whether that's drunkenness, whether that's using drugs, pharmacia, whether that is lying or thieving or whatever it may be, pick your pet sin. And if you are telling people it's totally fine that they're doing that and they're just fine, you're a liar. You're engaged in a gross, disgusting view that is not found in scripture and you are hindering people just as Jesus told the Pharisees, you are hindering people from the kingdom of God. It is shut off to you And so it is to the people who are trying to follow you because you are shutting it off to them. And I want you to see this because I find this interesting. If you haven't heard of Brandon Robertson, Brandon Robertson is a pro-gay pastor. I guess you could be a pastor leading uh, the blind leading the blind into a ditch. We had done an episode 
on him and other people had answered him uh, saying that Jesus was a bigot actually at one point who was corrected by a woman. And it's just an absolute travesty, not to mention when you understand the text, how beautiful the text actually is that he just ripped apart and turned into his own narrative. But I want you to see this because it does look like God is trying to speak to this man to repent and turn from his wicked teachings. Maybe the future of the church and of our world is truly in the hands of what Martin Luther King Jr. called the creatively maladjusted. Maybe minorities, sexual and gender minorities, have something to teach the church about dying to self, about new life, about... That is not a sign of God's judgment, okay? Well, Brandon, I got to be honest with you. I do think God is trying to wake you up, whether that was from him or some natural occurrence or so forth. It doesn't matter. God's trying to wake you up through his word and through actually reading it and understanding it. I think when we get to the word of God, we need to recognize this pendulum swinging that we don't go on one side and say, yeah, we need to accept homosexuality, nor do you go to the other side of that false pastor who said we want them all dead because the fact is, is I want them to know Christ just as I much want you to know Christ. If you don't know Jesus, turn to him right now. Trust in him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, mind, and strength. And anybody who will come to him, he will not cast away. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.